This episode is brought to you by Thorn, and I have some incredible news for any of you that are in the military, first responder, or medical professions. In an effort to give back, Thorn is now offering you an ongoing 35% off each and every one of your purchases of their incredible nutritional solutions. Now, Thorn is the official supplement of CrossFit, the UFC, the Mayo Clinic, the Human Performance Project, and multiple special operations organizations. I myself have used them for several years, and that is why I brought them on as a sponsor. Some of my favorite products they have are their Multivitamin Elite, their Whey Protein, the Super EPA, and then most recently, Cinequil. As a firefighter, a stuntman, and a martial artist, I've had my share of brain trauma and sleep deprivation, and Cinequil is their latest brain health supplement. Now, to qualify for the 35% off, Go to thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Click on sign in and then create a new account. You will see the opportunity to register as a first responder or member of military. When you click on that, it will take you through verification with GovX. You'll simply choose a profession, provide one piece of documentation, and then you are verified for life. From that point onwards, you will continue to receive 35% off through Thorn. Now, for those of you who don't qualify, there is still the 10% off using the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, for a one-time purchase. Now, to learn more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of the Behind the Shield podcast with Joel Totoro and Wes Barnett. Welcome to episode 800 of the Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name's James Gearing, and I'm so, so incredibly blown away, to be honest, that so many people have lent not only their powerful life story, but also their life's work to you, the community, for free, so they can make a difference in the world. Now, my latest guest on this benchmark, episode 800, is Javino McLean, professional cricket player, champion powerlifter, and the man behind J7 Gym. Now, for any of you that have your social media curated towards kindness and compassion, I'm sure you've come across this man already. For decades now, he has trained the elderly, the special needs community, stroke survivors, and others for free. And as you will hear in this discussion, his philosophy on treating everyone the same, regardless of some perceived handicap or disability, is absolutely beautiful. Now, before we get to this incredible conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every single five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, therefore making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library of, as I've just said, 800 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person on planet Earth who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Javino McLean. Enjoy. Well, Javino, I want to start by saying, firstly, just thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are, but uh, coming on the Behind the Shield podcast today. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you for inviting me and listening to my nonsense. Any any opportunity any opportunity to listen to express my nonsense and talk some shit, 
I'm always going to do it. Beautiful. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I'm about to have uh, 800 episodes on the podcast, and I saved this one to be 800 because each person, like at the 100, not that there are any more valuable than the other ones, but it's, it's always kind of that little um, book bookend of each 100. Um, and knowing you and your work, I thought this would be the perfect conversation. So just oh, so you know Oh, thank that. you, brother. Thank you, sir. All right. So very first question, where on planet Earth are we finding you today? <laughs> we're, we're finding me in a very cold and lonely Manchester in the UK, the United Kingdom. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit wet and miserable today, as it is most days. <laughs> I won't show you the uh, view outside my window then. This is going to make oh, you even more depressed. No, 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 don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't take the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to start at the very beginning of your journey. We're obviously, a lot of people are familiar with what you're doing at the moment, but I want to walk through. So I know you're originally not from, from England. So tell me where you were born and tell me a little bit about your background, what your parents did and how many siblings. Right, so long story short, uh, I was born in the beautiful island of Jamaica, James. That's where I was born, man. Beautiful island. Uh, I came to England when I was very young, probably four, five. And my journey, my parents, my parents were amazing. My dad, the coolest man you'll ever meet in your life. He's nothing like me. I'm just a loud idiot. My dad is just the coolest man. His style of his style of parenting, his style of just living, he's just very cool, calm. My mum's a my mum's in crazy cycle, bit like me. She's loud and just nuts. And uh, yeah, man, I got I've got brilliant parents, man. I can't everything that I do now is I'm nearly forty years old, and I've still got this mad drive to make mummy and daddy happy. And I think most men, no matter how old you get, man, just to have that approval of your parents to say, you know, what I mean, that's what that's what means the world. And I've got I've got an older brother. Uh, again, he's not he's polar opposite. My brother's six foot four. I'm five foot seven. <laughs> yeah. My brother's cool and calm and I'm loud. It's just, it's just, my families are so different, man. But I've got a very close family. Like I've even, I've got one brother, but I always say that I've got four because I've got three wonderful cousins who, calling them cousins, James, doesn't do it justice. These are my brothers. You see what I'm saying? Uh, I've got two sisters. Again, they're my cousins. What I call them my sisters because the way we've been raised from when we was little, it's not a typical cousin relationship. These are my brothers and sisters. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I've got a very close family. I'm, everything's about family with me. Everything's about family. And I think growing up, having the parents that I've got with the with the with the start in life that we got in a poverty country, I think I think that's where a lot of the kindness come from. And I think it, you become a part of the environment. And growing up, all we ever had was a a family unit that was just based on love and kindness. Because when you're from a country that's poor, you can't give me money. You can only give me your heart and soul and you only can give me emotions. You see what I'm saying? You can only give me that. And uh, I think that's what kind of just was it was in me from, a, from, a, from early. But my story was a bit different, James, but my story as regards to what I'm doing now, it wasn't purposely set out. The only way I can explain it is for the Americans out there, if you know what cricket is, good. If you don't know what it is, Google it. YouTube cricket, one of the greatest sports in the world. But I was a cricket player, James. That's all I ever wanted to do, man, was be a professional cricket player. And uh, obviously coming from Jamaica, it's our national sport in the West Indies. And that's all I ever wanted to do. 
all I ever wanted to do. And, I, and, and thank God I got there. Uh, I started playing elite level cricket. And cricket was my first love, but it wasn't my true love. It was a weird, weird time in my life where all I ever wanted to do was play cricket. And a lot of athletes will say the same thing where when they get to a certain standard, you start to lose love for that particular sport sometimes because politics and you, you, you see things that you should that shouldn't really be happening in professional level sport. And there was a turning point for me, James, was I was in India. I got a contract out to play in India with some of the best players in the world. And I, 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 I don't run from nobody, James. Like the way, when it comes to fitness and health, I don't run from nobody. And what I mean by that is I don't get intimidated by people. I don't, I just believe in health. I believe in exercise. I believe in fitness. And I remember when I was in India, some of the greatest players on the planet. I was in contact with him and I was playing with him and I was training with him and I wasn't scared to challenge him. I wasn't scared. If they wasn't pulling the weight, I wasn't scared to say no step up. And a situation happened in India where the conditioner of the team, a South African man, got injured and he had to go back to Durban. So they asked me, because I was the fittest player on the team, do you want to take over the conditioning? I said, hell yeah. And for six weeks, I got more enjoyment out of what I could do with other people than myself. And without being boastful, I was always the best athlete, James. I was always going to win the, 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 the agility test, the speed test, the explosive test, the dynamic. And I, I really mean that respectfully, not boastfully. It got to the point where I didn't get much out of being the best athlete. I, I got more enjoyment what I could do with other people. So after I came back from India, I kind of said to myself, yeah, I got more enjoyment out of not making, like, it's easy to get myself in shape, but what I did with them boys in six weeks, it blew my mind. And uh, I was already kind of in and out of what I wanted to do anyway. I was already kind of falling out of love with the politics of professional sport. But uh, that's, that's what nailed it for me. I've been training people from when I was 16. I've been I've been training people, especially the, the disabled people, disabled community, and the elderly. I've been training them free for twenty three years, James. So even when I was playing cricket and before I became an elite cricketer, I was always training people. But as I've gotten older, it's not about the fame. A lot of people get into sports because of the fame and the money and this and that. To me, it was just about challenging, you know, being the best cricketer, being the best athlete I could be. And when I realised that I've mastered being the best I can be, I found it easy to get that into other people. There's not, there's not a person. I found it. I found from a long time ago. I found it easy to. There's not one person on this planet that I can't make fall in love with exercise. Nobody. You could get me a man in bloody in the North Pole with polar bears who's never done exercise in their life. I guarantee I can find something that you're going to enjoy. I can find something that you're going to go. You know what? This is not too bad. Let me stick at it. And I found that out from a long time ago, James. Just tie a fish around his waist and watch him run from the bear. <laughs> <laughs> so as, just to touch on that, I want to go back to your parents in a sec, but I parallel, my parallel careers with the fire service, but before that it was uh, stunts. I was a stuntman and still, still do it to this day on and off. But I found it kind of what you're talking about. When I was in the entertainment world, there are some great people in there, but ultimately they wanted to be the center of attention. They was looking at me. I'm the actor. I'm the stunt person, whatever. And then I'd go to the fire service and it was the opposite. People were risking their lives for other people. So it was very selfless. 
And so I kind of got to see both of those. And uh, there is a lot of, you know, gratification of being good at acting, stunts, dance, singing, whatever it is. But there's a certain point where you're like, okay, well, yeah, I can do this, but how can I use this to help other people? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, my man. This is this is we live in a we live in a world that's so weird at the moment, James. I swear to God, I'm still getting used to it. Like I said, you look you look a little bit older than me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm forty eight. I'm forty nine. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you look good, though. You look good, James. <laughs> but we live we live in a world, James, where it's just. I'm not gonna lie. I've struggled the last five years. I've struggled just to get used to the way the world is. And what I mean by that is I've been training people for so many years. I've never, ever once thought when I first started, I didn't think about pulling out my phone, James. Everything that's going on with me right now has happened in the last five years. My brother, my big brother, had to beg me to open an Instagram. Beg me. Because I said, I help people because I want to help them. And as long as that family, the family members and that person appreciates it and I've benefited they benefited from their experience with me. So all that matters. And then accidentally, many years ago, one of my clients was just, she was blown away what she was seeing when I was doing an OAP class with a bunch of her stroke survivors and cancer survivors. And she filmed and she put it on, I didn't know she was filming, and she put it onto Facebook. And within one day, James, I think I was about 800 messages of people saying, oh my God, where's this? And I've been, like, I've been doing this for 20 years, like for, for a long time. And then the amount of messages that I've got that I got that day from not your typical social media idiots that love themselves. It was people saying, my mum isn't too well. Can she come to your class? My, my, my father fell down and he's struggling. He's, got, he's had a stroke. Can you help? And I said, that one video opened up my eyes to, I've got to get it out there. Because one thing with me, James, is I can't stand personal trainers. I hate, I, when it comes to this fitness and gym industry, there's people in the industry that are fantastic. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen that you've interviewed a few people that I really respect, that are elite at what they do. But one thing that you'll never see with me, James, is you're never going to see with my top off trying to flex with my six pack or my, with my ass out. I just don't understand it. What, what are you trying to sell? That's what I always think. What are people trying to sell? Health and fitness and well-being. That's what I'm trying to sell, motivation and inspiration. I ain't trying to sell sets. And the industry now, I know you've seen it when you see all these personal trainers, they're just, they're just selling sets. And I'm, I from, from very early, I said, I'm never, ever going to be that guy. I'm, I'm going to be in elite shape. But it's for me. It's for me. I power lift. Even my, my, my wife and my family members got and even my manager, she got she got pretty mad at me because uh, I powerlift. After I finished cricket, I started powerlifting and uh, I got to the uh, national standard and I represented Team GB. I went to the European Championships and I won a gold medal. But it was for me, James. I didn't put it on social media for so long because it was about... I, I'm an athlete. I do things to... For Javino, I want to challenge myself. I have to, since I stopped playing cricket, I needed something to push myself where, where, where I'm... Do you know what I mean? Where it's about me challenging myself to be to be the best I can be. And then they were saying, Jay, you just won a gold medal at the European Championships. That's something to be proud of and post it out. But my theory was if I post it out, I don't want people to be like, oh my God, Jay, you're amazing. And I, that, that was the opposite of what I wanted. 
with the work that I'm doing, it's just amazing where when I capture a magical moment, James, and I put it out, that person now receives hundreds, thousands of comments from people around the world telling them everything that I'm telling them. Like, I've got a lot of youngsters. An example being little sweet Amy. Amy's my baby. I love her to death. Amy's a young girl with cerebral palsy, man. She's... James, this lady, man, she's... She's special, man. She was a... I gotta give you the background on Amy. I know I'm waffling a bit, but no, no, please, up. please, I'm loving it. But Amy was in the Ariana Grande bombing in Manchester, and my brother, he had an ordeal to the point where she thought she was gonna die. People were climbing over a wheelchair. It was disgusting, and she uh, <laughs> she made it out, and then she became a recluse, man. She didn't leave her house. And then one day somebody rang me and he had a he had a down south accent. Then I've got a girl there who's a massive fan of yours. And can you ring her and speak to her? So I assumed it was somebody in London. So I rang her and I heard the accent and I found out she was in Manchester. She was in a place called Stockport, which is about 15 minutes from me. So I'm on the phone and I said, where, I said, where are you at? She went, Stockport. Put the phone down, James. I put the phone down. And then she rang back and I said, listen, I don't want to talk to you. I want to see you. If you're near me, <laughs> I want to give you a hug. I don't want to chat on the phone. I thought you was in London. And she only told me this, this about probably eight months after me and her started training. I was the reason that she got out of bed. She's not been out of her bed in, since, that, since the incident. And little old Daphne was the reason to make her get out of bed. And now she's got a life back. She's a young, beautiful, 24-year-old, great banter. She goes out, she goes, she's living her life again. And I was the first person that made her get out of bed. And the problem is, I tell her every single day how beautiful she is. She messages me every day how beautiful she is. How, how much she loves me, sorry. Every day, Jay, I love you. Even 20 minutes before, 20 minutes before uh, me and you were speaking. Amy, I don't think you can hear it. She tells me, messages me every single day that she loves me. And... I tell her how beautiful she is, how strong she is, how much life she's got in her, how much memories she's got to make, how sensational she is. And the beauty is, I'm like, I'm a big brother. So I'm supposed to say that, just like you're supposed to say to your kids, you're good, you're amazing, you're this, you're that. Now, if I post a video with Amy, she's got people in California, New York, in Dubai, in Africa, in Sweden, in Germany, in Bulgaria, saying, Amy, you're amazing. And I think, that's the side of social media that I really love. That's the side of social media that I love, where now that beautiful young girl can get all them empowering comments from people around the world. And James, there's people I train. We, we're good, man. I don't care what anybody says. I think it's about gratitude. I don't know where, but I don't know what it is. I don't know where it's my upbringing. But every day in England, every day in America is a blessing. Because it's a, a bad day in America. Look at where you at now, James. You look out your window, you saw me at that beautiful view. There's people I know in the world that they're, they're wishing one. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, an illusion that they'll never have. So when you, especially in England, there's so many people that moan about this, this and that. And I think, shut up. A bad day in England is paradise for somebody else. Paradise, man. And sometimes I get, it sounds like I'm a bit bipolar, but I'm so passionate about this. Because every single day, I don't think people know how it's hard for me, James. I'm not going to lie. 
because these people that I train, how I can't fail. It's impossible for me to fail. And what I mean, I don't mean that in, again in a big-headed way, James. I mean, if I was train, training you, James, in the, in, in the gym, if I, and you're trying to get slimmer, you're trying to get some muscle, trying to get more defined abs, if I don't achieve that, it's all good. You're still going to be okay. It's all good. But James, when somebody comes to me saying, I've got terminal cancer, I've got six months to live, and this is, this is happening fucking loads. And they've chosen me. That's a blessing. So something like we are, let, let's be all real. The, the most important thing in this world is life and memories, man. When my auntie passed away two years ago, three years ago, that was the queen of our family. Broke her heart, broke that house. It mashed us up. But what does everyone say, James? Everyone always says when somebody that they love, where a loved one dies, oh my God, I'd do anything to spend one more day with that person. One more minute with my auntie. I say it all the time. I wish I could spend one more fucking minute with her. So when somebody comes to me and there's been a there's a countdown to when they're going to take their last breath and they've chosen Javino, how can I fail now? I've got to make sure that every time you come across me, I give you the fucking best. I've got to give you the most magical, magical experience because you've chosen me. You've got a countdown to when. You see what I'm saying? You've got a countdown. I've had people, James, that are, are suicidal, very suicidal. And after our, our, our experiences together, for them to come out of that, that mental state and want to smile again, like it sounds corny. A lot of things that I say, James, it sounds so corny. It doesn't, though. But, it sounds amazing. When, pe when, when people have got real issues, you know when someone's pretending to be happy, James, a lot of people who are going through stuff, especially with disabilities, they're pretending to be happy. But when you make somebody generally smile again and want to live again and get away from that mental state of, I don't want to live, that's just the start of it. Now I need to make sure you don't ever go back there. I need to make sure that you never, ever go back there. And the only way I can do that is by bringing this energy every single time, making you do amazing things and reminding you that you're fucking unbelievable every single time. I can't fail. I can't fail. And even though it's a beautiful journey and, and it gets captured and this is what everyone's seeing and it's amazing, there's, let me tell you this, there's a flip side to the coin, James. There's a lady, you're in Florida, aren't you, did you say? Yes. Last week, last week a lady in Florida messaged me. A lot of people who are suicidal have got mental issues. Uh, even if they, and this lady's a dis dis disabled lady, and she's just had enough, man. She's been fighting so many battles, but it's just to get the right, just to get rights and opportunities that she deserves for so long. She's like, no, I don't want to be here no more. She decided that she's going to end the life, and she sent me a voicemail saying that she's that she's 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 at peace with it, and she's got no help. She's got there's nobody. There's no. She's not got family members that support her. It went four weeks without anybody even ringing to check on her. And uh, she's decided that it's been going on for too long. She's 57, and it's she just she want to be here. But she said, if I was in Florida, I would be the reason that she would 
maybe consider not doing, not take, not, not, not doing what she wants to do. And I said, oh my fucking God, man. How do you respond to that, James? That's a, that's a scenario that I get quite often. And how do you respond to that? Well, firstly, so, I would say find out where in Florida is and let me see if I can find a, a human being like yourself that we can connect it with. It's, 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 it's horrible. It's a horrible scenario to be in. So even though the work that I do is amazing and I love it, and I love the power in it and the love, then there's a flip side to it. And there's also a flip side to when you train people who pass away, who are elderly. It's, uh, it's heartbreaking, man. But this is the thing. I believe that I've got a gift. I don't run from these things. I believe that your gift, James, is uh, what you can do better than everybody else, but effortlessly. And again, respectfully, not boastfully, Georgie Best how many, and, and, Paul, uh, and, and Paul Gascoigne. How many stories, James, do we, we have heard about them two where they turn up to a football pitch drunk as a skunk? But guess what? You put them on the pitch, they can still score goals. Wayne Gretzky on the hockey pitch, Michael Jordan on the basketball pitch, Tom Brady. Their gift is that they can do that effortlessly. So much better than everybody else. I believe that my gift is all them scenarios that I've been putting with these special people. I ain't ever scared. My, my, my response is never, oh shit. My response is always, give me 30 minutes. I bet you I can change your mind. And I truly believe that is my gift, and I don't want that to sound like I'm like I'm big-headed, but I believe to, I believe it. I believe that I can get the magic out of people. And I think everyone's got beauty inside them, and I think sometimes as humans we forget because the world at the moment is fucked. The world at the moment's a bit mad, and I think people that are disadvantaged. I'm not even what not even people that are disadvantaged, James. I think humans. I think if you can always remind people how amazing we are, or, or I think it's important to say we don't people don't compliment nowadays, James. Like I'm a big I'm a big fan of complimenting. I'm a big fan of I, if I see you and I like what you're wearing or what what you're doing, I've got no problem saying, James, I like this. There's nothing wrong with it. Compliments are like the gateway to a smile. Like a comp saying something nice to somebody is letting that person know that you're positive, but also that you want them to win. And a lot of people feel like the way life is at the moment with the cost of living and COVID, that people don't want them to win. And so, so, so a simple thing like just saying something nice or reminding somebody of how likable they are and the traits that they've got that are likable, that could change someone's life, James. I could change someone's life and I truly believe that, man. And like I said, it's nothing that I can prove because I'm not a scientist. This is just off experience. Well, you talked about Amy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that the beautiful young girl that was rapping to Stormzy in one of your videos the other yes! day? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And Stormzy, and she doesn't know this yet. Stormzy's going to send her a video, and she's going to lose her mind. <laughs> Excellent. Going to send her a video, but she's a. Uh, but that's what I mean. So when people see that video, James, she's so energetic and and bouncy and energetic. If people could see her years ago. It's it's abs it's not a miracle, it's just the power of care and the power of love, and actually seeing fucking people. And I think in a lot of places, I know it happens in America a lot. People don't really see, people look through people rather than actually look. If you actually look at somebody and actually really pay attention and look in someone's eyes, you can see if they're pretending to be happy. You can see if it's just false. 
Look at Robin Williams, one of the greatest comedians of all time, one of my favourite ever comedians, when he passed away. I couldn't believe it, James. I couldn't believe it. And I think that's the, that's the state of the world we're in at the moment. And like I said, man, it took me a while to get used to the social media because uh, what? how many times have you seen this, James? It used to disgust me and I never wanted people to ever think I did this. Where somebody might see, imagine you as a homeless person, James, and I want to give you a sandwich. Instead of just giving you the sandwich, people will get out the phones and film. Hi, guys, I'm just here with James. I'm going to give him a sandwich. And I think that dilutes what you're actually doing. Now you're doing it because you want people to see that you're doing a good. You see what I'm saying? No, 100%. And that's, what, and that's why I never did it. But once I seen how inspiring it was to other people and how quick it grew, I said, I'm going to start documenting it. And I'm glad I did. But when I document it, I make it very clear to people, like especially of PTs. I get hundreds of PTs every single day from around the world that ask for advice. And I said, listen, let's be careful with what, what you portray yourself as a trainer. I'm elite at what I do. I don't give a shit how I look, James. I don't care. My hairline's going. You see it there, James? It's coming. <laughs> the, be the beard's looking patchy. I've had knee surgery and Achilles surgery, so I've got one skinny calf. I don't give a shit. When I film, there's no take one or there's no take two or take three. I record and I, and I post it. I don't care what I look like. As long as I'm showcasing the magical fucking people, that's all I care about. And I'm glad I'm like that. So when people watch my video and they see what's going on, I just, I just want people to say, Davino's himself and he's showcasing real people, real emotions, and just a, like a real connection between two people rather than what a lot of these PTs do now, where it's just all about themselves. Their six-packs, their how, how strong they are, how much they're deadlifting and benching. And this is why, even yesterday, I got in an argument with some random dude, <laughs> some random dude from London, questioning uh, how much I was deadlifting and why I don't post. You should be posting. I said, if I, why do I need to post what I'm deadlifting? What's the relevance in that? To show you how strong I am. I'm just put, so if I put, I rarely post training videos, but every now and then I post a little training video, but I'll never ever say 250 kg squat, 250 kg deadlift, because guess what? It's not about that. I know what it is. So why do you, do you know what I mean? And I think people get obsessed with numbers and aesthetics a bit too much. And I'm just trying to eliminate that, man. It's such a fine line between humility and narcissism especially when it comes to this because there is power in storytelling and i agree with you 100 percent. it nauseates me you know people say oh look at this kind of you know, act of kindness i'm like it's staged that you know who do you think is fucking filming them <laughs> it yeah. wasn't just a dude yeah. came across someone so you know but at the same time as you said when you curate your community and you're putting positive things out there a video now is extremely powerful and what i think that a lot of people probably like yourself is we're actually kind of deterred from putting our face out there because of this kind of rampant narcissism that's going on. But there's, you know, someone said to me recently, well, there's humility and there's being meek. And don't allow yourself to be meek where you, oh, I'm not, you know, people don't, people don't want to see that. But that kind of third person perspective of what someone is doing, when someone else catches an act of kindness, that person didn't know they were filming, but they did. That is what's so powerful and what people are seeing, as you, I've heard you talk about in um, the uh, Be It Till You See It podcast, is 
by using this platform, you are physically in Manchester, but you're able to touch people all over the world. And whether they have access to a gym or not, you're sowing that seed of I can into so many people that believed up to that point that they yeah. couldn't. Definitely, James. And there was a turning point for me, James, when I, like I said, you, you've absolutely nailed it. I didn't ever want anyone to think what I was doing was staged. But then a few things happened and I said, I need to get it out every single day. Where there's so many things have happened, but one occasion that happened that made me go, oh my God, was this this lady, I think she was from Wales. <laughs> she had a, she was elderly, she had a stroke. Uh, and I think she was early stages of dementia. And there's a video of me and my, one of my stroke clients called Tommy doing some stuff. And she sent me a video saying, I just watched a video with Tommy and I was absolutely blown away. I'm similar age to Tommy and I've had similar health conditions with a stroke and the bits that I've got. She lives next to a grocery store and she's never had the balls to go to because she's either embarrassed, ashamed, that she's going to walk slow. She said, I've never had the balls to go. She said, after seeing what Tommy did on your video, I'm going to give it a go. James, she sent me a video of her before she went. The shop was only uh, probably less than five minutes from her flat. Sent me a video before she left. She was nervous. She was crying. She said, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go. And then she sent me another video when she came back. Saying that it took her 40 minutes, but she walked, James. And then she stopped at a lamppost, got a breath. She walked a bit more, stopped at a bench, sat down. She went into the shop and she bought some stuff and she walked back and did the same back. She's been there 20 years and she's never done that in 20 years. And she watched my little video and that made her do something so unreal. And... When I started receiving messages like that from people around the world in Australia, Germany, in countries I never heard of, like Nepal and what's that other country? Yemen. Did you know there's a country called there's Yemen? There's all these countries that I wasn't fucking, I didn't even know they existed. People saying, I've watched your videos and it's made me want to try this. And they sent they send me videos of them trying it at home in the gardens. Somebody in Uganda sent me a video of copying something that me and Amy was doing. Recently, me and Amy did a drill where I've got her walking and she's just kicking the cones and I've moved her and she kicks another cone. The, one of the videos where I think I tagged Stormzy, but somebody in Uganda sent me something with uh, this, 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 this man with his little sister doing the same drill in Uganda, James. And I thought, oh my God. So when I started seeing the impacts of how it was going around the world and it's actually physically making people want to try and be better, I seen the power in it and I thought, yeah, I need to keep on going because it's not about me. It's one of the, it's the most powerful movement that, that's out there as regards to just seeing real people trying things and not just disabled people, able-bodied people will watch certain videos and feel inspired and I think, do you know what? It's, it's always going to be real it's always going to be powerful if it's just organic and I think that's what that's all I'm trying to do keep it as organic as possible and every time you see a video it's never it's never staged it's never scripted every time these TV cameras come to the gym and they want to try and film I always say to them don't ever think what I do so I said if you're going to come to the gym 
when ITV News came and BBC News came, uh, I said to him, the, the main priority here is that I'm actually training these guys, giving them an exercise session. It's not a talk show. So if you're going to come and film, best believe that I'm actually training Josh like a PT, like a real client. And then all you have to do is press record. And when we're finished, you can have a chat. But the priority is always still to make sure that my guys are getting the exercise. You see what I'm saying? And as long as I'm here, that will no matter what happens with my journey, as long as I'm here, they're gonna always get the training. That's 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 the most important thing. And if somebody wants to take a picture of them at the end of it, cool. When you look back at your early life, that yeah, you know, when when we look at many of the men and women that you know are in our communities. And let's say even some, and I'm using air quotes, leadership positions, kindness and compassion doesn't seem to be, you know, top of the priorities in discussion. You don't listen to, the, you know, the, the Houses of Parliament, people saying, I think we need to, you know, be kinder to each other. We need to foster community. We need to pull the country together, especially the last two or three years. What was it about your upbringing that sowed this seed so deeply, which I, I think, you know, happened to me when I was young as well, that made you kind of go in a slightly different path away from, well, I'm just going to do my nine to five and I'm going to come home and be with my family, but get that service. Like I, I haven't done enough. I want to do more. I want to make an impact. I, I really want to help these people get out of some of their suffering. I, do you know what, James? I get asked this question a lot and I'll be, I'll be really honest with you. I don't know. And money's never been my God. Money has never, ever been my God. Uh, and I think a lot of them, like you said before, a lot of them people in positions of power and leadership. I could have been a very rich man a long time ago. For 23 years, I've never took a penny off these guys. I could have charged with it. Money's never been my God. And I've just, if I see something, I, I'm going to have to say, if I see something, I'll always say, and from a long time ago when I was younger, if I see injustice, I have to say something. Man. And just growing up, I've seen people the patronising nature people were getting spoken to, elderly people or disabled people. And I said, I'm going to have to say something. And better yet, I'm going to have to do... There were so many situations growing up. I can't explain. I'll tell you one that I told the other day, James. I was in a... I was 16 and I was doing a cricket session in a park, local park. And I'm there with my guys doing the session and in the corner there was an Asian family playing cricket. And there was one gentleman in the Asian family in a wheelchair. And you could see that he just, oh, he was so involved. He was there. He wanted to, he was watching him and he was, he wanted to be there and he's watching him run about. I'm watching him for five minutes. I'm saying, this ain't right. This ain't right, man. So I went over to him and I said, excuse me, what's it? He's called Ibrahim. I said, what's his relationship to you? And one person said, oh, it's my dad. Somebody else said, oh, it's my, uh, it's my uncle. Somebody else said, oh, it's my brother. So I said, how dare you not, not get him involved? How dare you not, not get him involved? And they went, what do you mean? They were, they, a lot of them spoke broken English. I said, what, because he's in a wheelchair? Does he not exist? So I said, this is what we're going to do. I said, Ibrahim. So I rolled him over and I put him on a cricket wicket and I gave him the bat. And he looked at me. But the way he looked at me, it was like he won the lottery, James. And I couldn't believe that they didn't see this. I couldn't believe that they didn't see it. So I, so I made him back. So I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play a game. So I called my guys over. 
and I called their family over and we all had a massive cricket game. But I said, this is what we're going to do for 20 minutes. It's going to be a cricket fitness session. Ibrahim's going to bat. So everyone's going to bowl at him. If you bowl at him and he misses, nothing happens. If you bowl at him and he hits the ball, everybody does two burpees or two press-ups. And for 20 minutes, James, he was missing and hitting. And then they were doing the... At the end of the session, James, his wife come over to me. And again, this is going to sound corny. And I'm 38 years old now. I've got two beautiful little boys, right? And you know when you get that hug off your kids, that's... Words can't express it. You know when you've been away for a while and then your hug gives you that kid, it touches your soul. This woman gave me a hug, James, yeah, James that I'd never ever forget. She didn't let me go for about 10 minutes and she was crying. And then Ibrahim came over and she spoke broken English. But I knew what she was, she was just looking at me talking, saying, oh, I can't believe it. Like, why? Why? She couldn't, why? Why? Thank you. But why? Why did you help? And I said, I remember what I said. I remember there was no words, but then he come over and check this out. Never forget it, James. He said, this is the first time in 30 years I felt alive. So we wasn't born disabled. I, I, to this day, I wasn't sure it wasn't my place to dig. But obviously, he was born able-bodied and something happened and put him in a wheelchair. He said, it's the first time in 30 years he's felt alive. I, I don't know what made me go over. I could have, I should have, I could have, they could have easily said to me, F off, who are you? Get out, this is our family. But I had to go over. I didn't even hesitate, James. I didn't hesitate and I, I can't tell you why I did, but that was one of the early situations where I just seen injustice and I seen somebody that was getting missed out and I, could, and I couldn't stand it. There's been a real kind of evolution of the entire kind of adaptive, um, you know, spectrum of people like you said whether it's strokes or autism or cerebral palsy and i think sadly a lot of that came out of the wars and a lot of our men and women coming back with you know missing limbs and tbis and things but i've watched it shift which is beautiful and we've we had a, a high level wheelchair athlete in my gym and was able to kind of figure out some um, adaptations for her to be able to do rope climbs and muscle ups and some things in on the crossfit side i watch your videos and what i see is is playfulness and ingenuity so talk to me about you know as you've watched yourself become more and more experienced that that thing i mean a lot of coaches you know you, okay we're going to do cleans we're going to do this we're going to do that all right you know stretch and we're done but you've been able to kind of remove the the kind of alleyway as it were and and be so creative in in what you do with each individual person yeah well my theory with that james is the guys that I train, man, they're not. Uh, I I rarely get somebody who's uh, fully mobile through the shoulders, through the through the elbows, the wrists. My guys are severely disabled. They won't mind me saying that they're severely disabled. So one thing that I all and I, it's funny that you said this, right? Because I've had a few issues with people over this, where you always get. Obviously, I don't really read the comments. There's there's too many, but you always see one or two. And normality, James. Normality. That's the most powerful thing in the world, treating somebody normal. Another situation, I've told this story many times about one young lad that I trained who, uh, again, early days, was just a, a young lad in the gym getting trained off somebody that I hired and it was just a shitty session. It was the worst session I've ever seen in my life. 
and the trainer went to the toilet. And uh, as he got went to the toilet, this, this young lad came out, got up out of his wheelchair, walked over to the drinks and poured himself a water. And I walked in and I said to him, don't you ever, ever let another man dilute your power. If you can do more, you do more. That 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 wheelchair doesn't define you. And uh, when the trainer came back in, I said, it's all right, I've got this, you go home. For 20 minutes, I made him stand up because I knew he could. And I made him lift the three kg dumbbells instead of the one. He was a strapping 18-year-old lad. And at the end of the session, me, me and his parents, again, had a magical moment. And I'll never forget how big his dad was and I thought it was going to get messy. Uh, but they said, all we want as parents is people to treat our son normal. And I was the first person to do it where this trainer was so patronising. And if you're a lazy kid, I'm going to tell you whether you're in a wheelchair, whether you've got cerebral palsy, whether you've got cancer, whether you're blind. You're, you're, if you're lazy, I'm going to tell you because I don't see your disability. I don't see your wheelchair. I see you. And from that was so many years ago. And I, from then I said, normality, that's the power. And also now, when you're talking treating somebody normal, is it normal, James, to fucking put somebody in a hoist and treat them like a, a cow or treat them like a piece of machinery? I've had so many stupid people say, well, you've you seen the videos, James, where I'm carrying my guys because I'm touching them. I want to touch you. I want you to feel human connection. Because a lot of care homes in England, James, you know you get fired if you touch the disabled people. I've got people at my that I've worked with over the years who have said to me, in a, certain facilities, if you touch some of the disabled, you will get sacked. So how normal it is to, to pick up Amy with a hoist and press a button to hoist her up. Mm, and then if I want her to turn, mm, that's not treating her normal. That's not treating her normal. Treating her normal is like, all right then, babe, we're going to get up. Let me get you up. That human connection, touching, talking. And then, because the world's so fucked at the moment, it's always going to be, even to this day, I do, I, I'm so glad, James, that everything's happening now at this stage of my life because I know who I am as a person. My morals and principles are so strong where I'm going to give you a kiss. I'm going to give you a kiss. Man or woman, if I've fucking you've done something amazing, I've got no problem giving you a hug and say, boss, well done. I don't care. I don't care what anybody else thinks because as long as that person knows where that kiss has come from, that, that kiss on the forehead's come from a place of love. You see what I'm saying? And treating people normal is, is about what I would give to my sons or my little brothers. I'm not, I'm not, I, I can easily go out and spend money getting electrical equipment to hoist people up. No, I go gym. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm going to pick you up, Amy. Josh, I'm going to pick you up today. Me and Josh was wrestling. I'm going to post it tomorrow. Me and Josh was wrestling. Actually wrestling on the floor because treating somebody normal is giving them experiences that other people have received. Why shouldn't you receive it? Why should I put a harness on you to pick you up like you're a bloody piece of machinery? I'm not into it. And so with my stuff that I do, I try and be as creative as I can purely because how can I replicate normal, normal experiences for my people? And that's where the creativity comes in. So a lot of the stuff that you see my guys doing, it's like the stuff that you said with Amy or a video that went viral with me and one of my youngsters, Marley, kicking a football. And I'm not sure if you've seen that video. It's me and Marley. Marley's same as Amy, cerebral palsy. So I pick him up there and I'm walking with him and he's just scoring a hat-trick. He scored a goal. And then somebody threw another ball 
And people will look at that. And what I want people to see that is, he's a young boy. He's a Man City obsessive fan. He loves football. So how normal is it to, like, he's never kicked a football. So if I can replicate him, I'm not saying that he's going to run or he's going to jump, but that, that half an hour where me and him are playing football, do you know what I'm saying, James? You see the message? It's, it's just so simple, but so powerful. And it's not about saying that I'm going to try and make Marley walk again. No, he will never walk. His family know that. And I know that. But for half an hour, let me give him an experience that takes him to a, to a, to a fantasy where he's playing football, man. He's playing football for Man City and he scored a goal. That there, to me, is what it's all about. Replicating just real life normal experiences in creative ways and yeah i put a lot of effort into it james well it's amazing you know when i when i think about some of the videos that i've seen um you know again you're just figuring out how and you know just to go back also on the human contact thing i mean i my son's almost 16 now i still hug him and kiss him and because that's what normal people do you know obviously there's some people that are creepy that's a whole different section of people but your average person is you know that 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 contact is what human beings actually need but i think listening to you talk one of the the areas that people probably struggle with is you you have this pre-program or this is normal someone with two arms and two legs and they walk like this and they jump like this but to get a young boy with cerebral palsy to be able to relive their dream they don't have to walk like you or me they don't have to be able to you know hold their body weight up in a certain way but they're still experiencing that same joy so totally kind of disassembling our pre-determined ideas of what normal should look like and instead going okay you know you're an individual how can we make this work for you that's just, just, you know, it's a beautiful way of looking at each individual, whether they have a disability or whether they're obese or whether they just broke their leg or whether they're, you know, hearing impaired or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, a lot of times people say to me, can you make a program online that you can send out to people? And the answer is always going to be no, because any elite coach, any elite coach, whether it's, I know Steffi Cohen, you've had Steffi on, haven't you? Whether, you, whether it's Steffi or Stan, Every human's different. You could get 10 people with cerebral palsy and they've got 10 different levels of mobility. Like Josh is very mobile through shoulders where I've got a lady called Francesca. A wonderful, wonderful lady. I love her to death. She's very immobile through shoulders. Sometimes cerebral palsy, it, it varies so much. So everyone's different. And it's just about understanding, embracing human differences, realising what that person's level or capability is, and whatever that is, once I work out your level of capability, I will work you ridiculously hard within that level. And I think what a lot of people don't realise is it's an escape. It's an escape for people. Just like when we go gym, it's no different from nobody else. It's an escape. It's an opportunity to be challenged. And it's an opportunity just to be normal. I had an awkward... <laughs> I'm going to tell you about this story. One of my young lads, man, he's amazing, man. He's a, he's a little shit when he wants to be, to be honest. He's a little... <laughs> he goes to university. He plays called Abdul Rahman. He's blind. He plays uh, football for GB. He's a striker for Team GB. But he's a university kid. 
So you know what they're like back home, James. You know what university kids are like. He's always pissed or whatever. Abdul is blind, so if you're late for my class, like the, like the able-bodied people, when they come late to my class, you're doing burpees or you're doing press-ups. Like even my wife, if she turns up late, don't care, you're my wife, drop and give me them burpees. So Abdul came in and he came in late. This was years ago. And then I said, you're late. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 sorry. I said, I don't give a fuck. Give me your stick. Took his stick off him. I said, drop and do them burpees. Drop and do them press-ups. And people were go- looking around going, do that, he's blind. I said, so what? You, you think he's any different to anybody else? You think Abdul is different to me, you, or anybody else? No. So get your little ass down there and give me them press-ups. And he was laughing his head off. And I guarantee, James, if I if Abdul's heard me give people press-ups and burpees for being late, if he would have walked in 15 minutes late and I didn't give him a punishment, is that treating him normal? That's treating him different. And I had to, I had to really let my staff know this is that's how you treat people normal. Treating people normal isn't just a word, it's with, it's with your actions. It's with your actions. And I'm glad that my guys get that normal experience. And I, I sometimes, James, even look at this now, the work that I'm doing is brought me and you together to have a chat. And I think, why? I'm not, I'm not a scientist. Like, obviously, there's people I know in the industry that are ridiculously intelligent and scientific with certain things. Look at, uh, see, buddy, call now. Kabuki. What's it called now, buddy? What's it called? The mad scientist. He's on Instagram. The mad scientist. Ridiculously intelligent. Is it Duffin? Uh, Duffin. Chris Duffin. Yeah. Chris Duffin. Steffi Cohen, intelligent out of her head. I'm a big fan of Steffi Stan. They've got knowledge with with the with the bodybuilding and the powerlifting, and I've got knowledge with that as well. Don't get don't get it wrong. But with this section of my work, that's gone global. It's not science. It's not rocket science. All it is is treating people normal, and it's gone global, James. Treating people nice and normal, and including people, has now put me on a global stage. And sometimes it baffles me. That's what everyone should be doing. You know what I mean? That's what everyone should be doing. I really believe that there's going to be a paradigm shift. I think the, the pendulum swung so far one way, and I want to get to that in a second, where people were divided. People were made to be scared of each other for a number of reasons. You know, touch touching each other was, you know, heresy at that point. But I feel like now it's swinging the other way. And a lot of the nastiness that was very popular on social media, I really believe, which is why I think, you know, when you creative videos of what you're doing i think that's why there's so much demand because i think people are craving that community they're craving that uh, kindness that inclusion all the things that you know i talk about this a lot people go to holy buildings whatever their religions and what i'm pretty sure what they're learning is be kind don't be a dick you know it's a pretty universal conversation but then they walk outside and then they step over the homeless person and you know and then they look down their nose at the drug addict you know what i mean and then they carry on about their day I feel like now, because of such division and nastiness and some of the horrible things that we've seen on television and social media, that now there's this absolute craving for exactly the kind of things that, you know, that you're permeating, which is why I think people around the world in this incredible technology that we have are looking, you know, from Istanbul into a gym in Manchester and going, holy shit, that's, that's me. 
he's he's training a version of me. I can do that in Turkey. So it's it's absolutely yeah. amazing to watch. Definitely, man. And I, uh, one thing that I've tried to do recently, James, is I try and protect myself, James. I try and protect myself as regards to because I know the power in what people are witnessing. I think it's very important to protect yourself. So what I mean by that is I don't make myself available to bullshit. I'm not one to get engage in nonsense. So if I get a lot of videos, let's say if a video's got 10,000 comments, not every comment's going to be nice. Gonna always going to be one person saying, you should be kissing that person. What's he doing? So I make myself unavailable. So I rarely, I don't read comments. I don't read. And I don't, unless I go on and it's right in front of me, but I don't really go through the comment section because I think I want, I want to be unavailable to that bullshit. As long as I know that majority of people are enjoying what they're seeing and they're finding inspiration, that's all that matters. And as long as when my guys come to me and they tell me about all the amazing comments that they've read, I don't need nothing else. I don't need nothing else because this is not about anybody. This is, it's, uh, it sounds silly and it sounds like I'm talking shit, but I'm saying it's not about me. Because I've got a big following on Instagram. I've got a million followers on TikTok. So people might say, oh, he's talking rubbish. But it's not about me. Not about me. What I realized a long time ago is it's about the family. If I train somebody and I do something magical with that person, they take that person out of a really dark, deep place that they would that, that they was in. If I bring happiness to that person, James, that happiness then filters through to the family. And then the family members come to me and say, thank you so much because, because of you, somebody passed away a few months ago, a uh, gentleman that I'm only training for about five months. But they said that the happiness you brought him, you gave us an extra five, six months with him. You see what I'm saying? And that there to me means more than money or anything. And this is the thing, sometimes people, you always get people trying, they don't believe it. When I say to them, I've never t never charged for 23 years, they don't believe it. But they'll ne it's the truth. And one thing that I always think is, you want to help somebody from the deepest, deepest part of your soul. There's no, there's no Nat West, there's no, but there's no cash point, there's no checkbook. If you really want to help somebody from the purest part of whatever's inside you, money can't come into that conversation. If I've got if I'm training somebody with cancer or stroke or dementia, and I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, want to make that person smile or be happy again. If I then take money for that service, I'm talking shit. I've not trained you because I want to. I've trained you because I'm gaining financially. So therefore, you'll never, ever catch me out because I generally want to help people. So therefore, I'll never take money off anybody who requires help. Because therefore, I'm doing it because of what I want financial gain. And uh, I'm happy that I'm like this, man. I'm happy that I've, I've had the journey that I've had. I'm happy that uh, it's happened to me at this stage in life. Because it takes a very strong mind, James. Like the things that I've told you, and I can go on for so many hours, where now I feel guilt. Every single day, it's, it's like, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit like being bipolar. No offence to anybody with bipolar, but... I'm so energetic and gassed, but then I feel so much guilt every single fucking day, James, because I can't reach people, man. Even this morning, I asked somebody in Argentina, 
Well, I'd love to help. Stroke, a stroke survivor, uh, quite a few illnesses and bits and bobs. Can't help her. I'd love to click, have a magic wand that I can click and I can transport myself to Argentina, but I can't. And the message that she sent me, I won't go into it because it's personal, but she really requires help, man. And she believes that I could really help her and I could really change her life. And I believe I could, but I can't get to her. So I get a lot of messages like that every single day, man. It is, and it breaks my heart a little bit because of uh, I can't get to her. But this is one thing with this job that I've created here and this this niche. It's shown me the real definition of strength, James, man. Like strength is growing up as an athlete. Strength was always how much muscle you got, how much can you do this, and you know what it's like in a male, like in a, in a sporting locker room, but. That ain't strength, man. Deadlift. This is why when I this is why I train so hard because I can't. Whatever's on that bar, James. I ain't strength. Strength is when someone's got terminal cancer, but they still they've made the choice to carry on living and come to the gym. Strength is when someone's got dementia and they not even the person with dementia, the daughter. Last I'll tell, I'll tell a lie. Two weeks ago, I had a wife. We brought a husband in who's got dementia. Doesn't remember. They've been married 40 years. So as we're training, he's saying to me, Yo, who's, who's she? Who's that lady? Now, heartbreaking that must be for somebody who's been, you know what I mean? That is strength. The strength that she's got to every day say, all right, then come on, Harold. We're still going to go to the shop. Yeah, but I don't know who you are. Who are you? No, it's okay, love. But that's strength. That's more, that, that kind of strength is more than Anything that's on a squat bar or deadlift bar, anti-Veronica, any opportunity to talk about anti-Veronica, I will. Anti-Veronica is one of my old ladies that passed away last year. Rest in peace, anti V. She's a strong, sassy Irish lady, man. She used to twerk and everything. She, was, uh, <laughs> she used to twerk. She was crazy. She was a... Uh, never forget it, man. I spoke about it recently in another podcast, man, and it's brought so many memories back. It was a... Uh, 11.57 and that very clock there that I've got on my wall in my office there the OAP class starts at 12 o'clock James I've trained them for 15 years a group of amazing just elderly ladies 11.57 she came in my room and she went Jay got something to tell you but don't tell nobody promise me so I went of course on TV think he promised she went exactly word for word and never forget it Jay I've got cancer I don't know how long I've got left to live don't tell nobody. I don't want no sympathy. I don't want nobody feeling sorry for me. I want to just live my life with whatever time I've got left. And I just started crying my eyes out. And then she wiped her eyes. James, I kid you not. I kid you not. She wiped her eyes. She was crying because I was crying. She wasn't crying for her. She's crying because she's never seen me cry. She wiped her eyes. She went, on with the show. And then we went outside and I'm doing the class. I'm not really in the best mood. And people saying, Jay, are you okay, love? Are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm all right. Just a bit, feel a bit poorly. And I remember looking at the clock. And it was halfway through the class. Auntie Veronica is dancing her tail off. She's on the, she's in the gym dancing and singing. <laughs> There's an Irish song. I'm not sure if you've heard it. There's an Irish song that's pretty famous. Tell ma, tell me, ma, when I come home, the boys will leave, the girls alone. And they all start doing the Irish jig. And James, she's there just jigging away. And I'm looking, going, 
You just told me that you're dying. What fucking strength have you got inside of you to tell me that? And 15 minutes later, you are dancing and you're the life and soul of the party. And I realise that strength and that strength that I hope one day, man, that I've got that kind of strength. And this is why the powerlifting and stuff that I do in the gym, I don't find it impressive to myself. Other people will go, oh my God, you're the deadlift European champion. And oh my God, you, you can bench press this. And I go, cool. To me, that ain't strength. You know what I mean? To me, that's not strength. It's, it's what these guys show me every single day, Amy, with the, with the reverse situation. Francesco, Denae, Josh, the stroke patients, the dementia patients. They're the ones who, that's strength, man. I don't care what anybody says. And I, and I tell you, experience being in people's presence and witness these things like I witness every day. I don't think a lot of people can actually fathom how, what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's a very powerful thing to be around. I'm listening to you here, listening to you talking about, you know, this, this human connection, the touch, the, you know, the lifting, the carrying around with football. Um, you know, you've got all these people that their lives are being changed. And then a couple of years ago, a lot of our countries are told gyms are closed. Now, this is an apolitical conversation. It's not about politics at all. But for me, coming from the wellness background, it seemed like all the things that people needed were taken from them and all the things that would make them more scared and more unhealthy, you know, alcohol, fast food delivered to houses, you know, don't do not do anything till we tell you, was, was the opposite. But for people, and, you know, I witnessed this in the gym where I train and coach, that was their community as well, whether they're, you know, disabled, whether they're just a member of the community who's fortunate enough to be able-bodied, that is their mental health, that is their physical health. So just talk to me about your perspective. You know, you have this amazing community and then all of a sudden one day everyone's told to close their doors. I cried my eyes out, James. It was, a, it was horrible, man. One of the worst experiences of my life. I'll never forget it. Where... It was everything was happening with Corona. We heard a few things, people saying a couple of things are going to close, and I never thought nothing of it. And I never forget it was Friday. Like not many people know this, James. Yeah, you bastard! You got some stuff out of me today. You, <laughs> you got some stuff. Uh, it was Friday, and on Friday at six o'clock, I've got a kettlebell class, the last class of uh, the week, six p.m. And about about twelve o'clock, my phone's ringing, James, and people are saying, "Oh, uh, yeah, you've got to close today." It's been announced that you've got to close today and I'm thinking, ah, oh, nothing. Close for a few weeks and whatnot, come back. I, did, I didn't know how serious it was. I did the 6pm class and I was fine, James. I wasn't one bit bothered. And as I'm putting my, put my key in and I'm turning the shutter and the things are going down, it's like crying hysterically. Crying hysterically. And a few people, but my members were there, I fucking, I turned my back like that, James, because I thought, what's going on? And then I went, Jay, you all right? And I went, yeah, 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 I'm all right. And then I waited for him to go. And I just fucking screamed. I went, ah, Because the only thing that was running through my head, James, is what are my people going to do? This is not about a booty. This is not about six-pack. This is not about your bicep or a tricep. The majority of my people come to me for something more, more than the aesthetics. What the fuck are they going to do? I can't go to them. They can't come to me. I know what's going to happen. And I started seeing it. I started seeing into the future. 
I started seeing people going into a downward spiral because this has been taken away from them, where this is actually what keeps them alive. This is what keeps them ticking over. And it's been taken away and I can't do nothing about it. I can't do nothing about it. And it literally happened. It was a two-minute thing. I just screamed, cried, and I thought, it's horrible. This is so important. And I'm just praying to God that the work that I'm doing now, the amount of gyms and gym owners that I'm speaking to, they're seeing what I'm doing and it's opening their eyes a lot more as regards to including people, inclusion. And I'm glad. I'm glad every single day the amount of messages I get from trainers asking for advice on how to train people with cerebral palsy. And I'm glad. I'm glad that I've become that guy that, pe that people around the world can ask and try and get some creative ideas off. And I think it's powerful. It's, it's, and it gets me emotional, man. Like, it's... Uh, Imagine it got took away from us, James. Like being your health and well-being is something that everyone should have the right and opportunity to invest in that health and well-being. And as some people haven't, sadly. And that's one of the some of the most simplest things in life are just if they get taken away, it, it's a it's a major incident. And then when that happened with Corona, it was a I set up a food bank, man. I spent a lot of money and spent grands. I set up a food bank at the gym where I hand-delivered to all of my oldest, every single one of them, hand-delivered all of their food, anti-Veronica. I used to get a custard creams, a daily mirror. I used to get a dog food. And I remember dropping some stuff out of the house. Still got the vid I still got the video on my phone. Still got the video on my phone because I made my wife film. I made my wife film because I remember posting things out saying, listen, I'm, feel, I'm, I'm showing people this on socials, not to say, look at me, look at me. I'm saying that I'm sick of people talking shit. People talking like, oh, Corona's here. Go and check, go and check on your grandmother. It's not, it's not words, it's actions. So I want people to see in the community, if people in the community think I'm a leader, well, look what I'm doing. I'm physically going out there. I've dropped off the food and I've walked away. And I've said, Auntie Robert, and I've still got the video on my phone. And uh, yeah, it's about actions. It's about actions. And I think that's going forward when it comes to health and well-being. And just hope people start doing, having more actions and words. <laughs>